So I made, a, I, I made a comment on Facebook yesterday about our summer weather plan and our sermon plan. Our sermon policy is this. For every degree over 70 degrees it is in the room, the sermon gets shortened by two minutes. Um, so we're going to close in prayer this morning. And <laughs> I think I needed to re redo the math because it's pretty warm in here this morning. Thank you for being here. It's just, it's warmth. And really a month ago, it was freezing cold and blizzard. And we were, wasn't it like five weeks ago, churches were canceled because of the blizzard and the cold? So I felt like canceling church today just because of the heat. Like, stay away. It's not safe, everybody. But no, we're going to have church today. Um, next week, we're going to start our summer sermon series. And uh, we're in... In that, we're also going to have another summer scripture memory challenge. And yes, this year is going to be different where we're going to especially have some adults join us in memorizing. We keep shortening the passage of scripture we're memorizing. I keep thinking, well, maybe this will do it. So we're going to have a shorter passage of scripture as a church. We're going to memorize again this summer. We just got through one. I, we want to have the word of God in us as a church. And the youth are going to be doing this. The kids are going to be doing this. And the youth and kids, they do a way better job than us grown-ups because they've got those pliable minds that soak up new information. We can't remember our passwords for anything anymore. Um, but we're going to have a summer scripture challenge, and our summer sermon series, we're going to work through the book of Acts together as a church. We're just going to go through different messages, different stories from the book of Acts. It is a great book of the start of the church. The book of Acts starts up after Jesus has been crucified, after he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. That's where the book of Acts starts. It's like the rest of the story, where those disciples go from a group of cowardly disciples hiding because they just saw their Lord and Savior crucified, to being filled with the Holy Spirit, to going out into the world filled with power and boldness and the presence of God. And now that movement has spread, and that's why we are here today. There's so many great lessons and stories in the book of Acts, and we're going to take several of those as we work through that this summer. All right, so our shortened sermon today because of our summer weather policy. Um, I wanted to start out by talking about a controversy in our world, and I normally don't talk about, you know, controversies in our country, but it, I think it was last week's controversy of the week, and if you pay attention to current events, you're thinking, well, you're going to have to be more specific than that, right? There was plenty of controversies. It wasn't, it was not the, do you hear Laurel or Yanny? Did anyone do that? Did anyone have that? I'm not going down. Every time I listened to that, you know what I heard? I heard, you're wasting your life. That's all I, <laughs> that's all I heard. I heard actually both. So uh, we're not talking about that. And this is not, you know, this was a, a controversy that didn't get too much. It didn't go too far. And that's kind of the point I want to bring up today. Apparently, there was a movie. There's a movie called Show Dogs. And maybe you know what the controversy was. There was a couple. This is a kid's movie. And there was a couple of scenes in there, and I don't know really, I haven't seen the movie, I didn't read too many articles about it, but there was a couple scenes in there that some parents especially thought, this should not be in a kid's movie. This is not appropriate material. And so typically when I saw that, I thought, okay, well, here's how this is going to go. Typically how it works is this. People will hear that and instantly will pick a side, right? We'll pick a side on this, and we're going to get ready for a fight. There then becomes petitions and boycotts and we're never going to see a movie again, and letters to Congress, and the government should get involved, and then the dreaded, share this article on Facebook if you love Jesus. If you love Jesus, then you will share this article, and so we're like, wow, I want to go to heaven. I better share this article. By the way, that's, that doesn't decide who goes to heaven ever, okay, just so you know. So that's how it goes, and then um, there's share the article if you love Jesus, and then people on the other side get defensive, and there's counterattacks, and there's 
war on family values and free speech and the Constitution in our country and all these things. And that's how this stuff normally goes. But, um, and then the news outlets get it, and then there's the shouting matches on cable news shows, and we've all seen those. And then it's social media and online surveys, and then the president will tweet something and everybody loses their minds, okay? So that's how these things normally go in our, in our culture today. And that at some point, I think everyone would say, well, I don't even know what we're fighting about. I just know who's on my side, and I know who's on the other side, and I know they can't win, so we have to win. That's kind of the way it works in our culture today. But in this case, something weird, really weird happened. The producers of the film re-edited the movie, cut out those scenes, and then just reissued the film. And it was kind of like, I read that, and I'm like, well, what are we supposed to do now? You know, like, where's the fighting? And I've got my pitchfork ready to go. Like, where, where, what are we supposed to do with this? I have my letter written to Congress, and I have my boycott ready, and all these things. And all of a sudden, it was like, well, somebody listened and changed their mind, and they re-edited the film. And it was, a, it was, in my mind, it was like, a wow, this is like a victory for somebody listening. And I, I honestly thought, this hardly ever happens anymore. Do you have that same thought as me? This doesn't happen very often. Somebody heard something and said, yeah, you got a point there. Let's change our approach and we'll make some changes and we'll do that. How often does that happen? Let me put it this way. How often do you feel in your world like you are not listened to? You're not listened to. That could be certainly if you're a parent here or maybe you're a kid and you're talking about your parents or maybe it's a boss or a spouse or maybe it's somebody in customer service. I had a call from Charter Communications asking me again about their streaming online television service, and it's free for seven days, and it's the fourth call that I've had from them. And each time I've said, I'm not interested, thank you, not interested, and it keeps going. And this time I said, I'm not interested, and this is actually the fourth call that you've had, and I'm trying to be nice. I really, that's not exaggerating. I was trying to be nice. And, uh, and finally I just said, I said, I, I'm going to need, I, excuse me, because the conversation went on, I said, I'm not interested. It's going to be a no for me today. And I was finally hoping that they would listen, but I was like, I don't feel like they're listening to me. Maybe it's kids, maybe it's bosses, maybe you like, I have ideas at work, I would love it if my superiors or my bosses would actually take the time to listen. How often do we feel like we're not being listened to? So on the flip side, I ask this. I wonder how often somebody feels that way when they are talking to us. Like, ah, they're not really listening. Are we listening to people? So that's really what we're talking about today. And uh, there's one other story I had. Flying, I was flying home from a family function a few weeks ago, and this particular flight, the only way I could get home from Detroit, Michigan, was through Iron Mountain, Michigan, and the UP, very small airport, and then connecting flight home. And so as a result, I was on a very small plane. Small, it was like two C, it was a Delta, it wasn't a, a prop, a propeller plane, but it was a small, about as small as Delta's got in their fleet, I think. So two seats on one side, two seats on the other, and there was one flight attendant. And of course, they have to go through the usual pre-flight routine, which if you've flown enough times, you've got to memorize the water flotation device, your seat cushion, and the masks, and... Are you supposed to put the mask on yourself first? Yes, you are, before you help other people, and the seatbelt works, and all these things. And so she was explaining all this, this flight attendant. There was probably 12 of us on the plane, and I was near the front, and I looked around, and nobody was listening. Everyone had their head down in their phone or in their book. And so this, per, this poor lady was trying to talk, and I realized there's nobody listening, and she knows it. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to be a good listener, right? Boy Scout, you know, moment, I was like, okay, just, I know all this stuff, but I said, I'm going to look at her, and I'm going to nod as if to say, oh, that's, wow, seatbelts, that's how that works. And like, okay, yeah, I was nodding and listening, and she went through the whole thing and demonstrated the seatbelt thing, and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I got mine on, and I was just, I was just showing her that I was listening. And so then she was done, and I went back down to watching whatever movie I was watching, and about five minutes later, she started going through the cabin, and she st I was reading a book, and she stopped at my row, and she said, excuse me, sir. And I said, yeah, and she said, thank you for listening to me. And I said, oh, you're welcome. And she says, you were the only one listening. And I said, I know, I know. <laughs> and then, I, honestly, I said, I'm a preacher, so I know how that feels. <laughs> And she said, well, it meant a lot that you listened. So, and then she went on with her day. And it was just one of those things, like, as, as, a, as a person, how important it is to show somebody that we care enough about them to listen. As a follower of Jesus, a core belief that we would all have is that all people have value, right? You can't read the Bible. You can't understand the heart of God for people or the teachings of Jesus and not have that core belief of all people have value, all people have God-given value, and maybe the simplest and sometimes the most profound way we can show that and instill value in others is to listen to them. And this is not just a practical how to win with people, how to get the Delta flight attendant on your side. No, this is a spiritual thing. This is something taught and modeled throughout Scripture. There's a verse in James, which maybe you're familiar with, James chapter 19, or James chapter 1, verse 19 through 21 says this, and this will be up on the screen. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, specifically, the words that James is using there, this is the brother of Jesus, James, who wrote this. And the specific word that he is using there when talking about becoming angry is talking about anger in debate, anger in disagreement. When you are in disagreement with someone, when you are in debate with someone, this is the idea of you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and therefore slow to become angry. When this was written, when James wrote these words, this was in the first century, probably about 30 years or so after Jesus died and rose again. James is writing to Jewish believers in the first century, and the first century church is primed for division and disagreement. It is primed for argument and debate. It was always the Jewish faith and it was always an understanding that the Jews were going to have the Messiah, and this was going to be kept a Jewish faith. But all of a sudden, outsiders now are turning to Jesus. All of a sudden, the disciples are realizing this message of the gospel is going to different religions, to outsiders of the Jewish faith, to different nationalities, to different people, to all people. And so there's all these different groups, and it is primed for division. And this is why James is writing this. There will be disagreements. There's going to be disagreements among you. And when there is, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We are getting this wrong in our world, right? We're getting this wrong. I mean, I'm just going to talk to me and us individually. We are getting this wrong too often. Certainly in our culture we say it, that we're getting this wrong. Instead of quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry, we're quick to be offended. We are quick to tweet something, and we are slow 
to listen to anybody who disagrees with us. Somehow we've got this idea that somebody who disagrees with us does not, is not worthy of our listening. But James, talking to the followers of Jesus, is saying, no, in disagreement, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So leading into the summer on this warm day today, the summer challenge is this. This is one thing I think we could all grow in. Let's grow in this. Be quicker to listen. Just listen. Be quicker to listen, slower to speak, slower to be angry. And this is not like a metaphorical, spiritual, like, okay, the, the ears of my heart are open to you, Lord. No, this is very practical. Close your mouth, open your ears. You know, the whole the popular saying, we have one mouth and two ears for a reason, right? We should do more listening than speaking. This is an area we can grow. So a couple of quick things, and then we're going to wrap it up a little early today. A couple of practical ways that we can grow in our listening. And then each one, I just have some Bible stories in there. I'm not going to go through each one today, but just you could write these down if you want to read these Bible stories this week. They're great stories, all having to do with someone who either listened or didn't listen. And the first one is this, listen to wise counsel. This is one of the areas we can grow in. Young people, I was you one day, and then I realized yesterday as I was running, I'm not a young person anymore. But you don't like to listen to people too often. I've got people in my house, my kids. They don't like to listen too often. I'm just saying, listen to wise counsel. There's going to be people in your world, people in our church. One of the most valuable things about our church is there are different generations, and you can have people who are older than you saying, hey, I've been there. I went through that with a friend. I went through that in a relationship. I went through that with my faith, with my doubts, with all this. You can listen to wise counsel. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 12. David and Nathan, and you, many of you would be familiar with this. This is when David is making incredibly dumb, poor decisions. He's having an affair with another man's wife, Bathsheba. And now he has the, other, the, the, the husband of his, this woman killed. He has the husband killed. And all of these decisions, it's snowballing out of control, and David is behaving really, really poorly. And Nathan the prophet comes along, not scared to speak up to authority and say, what you're doing is wrong. God is not pleased. In fact, there is disaster coming if you don't turn from your wicked ways. David, having the courage to listen to wise counsel, turns from his sin, repents, and turns back to God. I believe that's one of the main reasons why David is known as a man after God's own heart, because in that moment of sin, he was quick to listen to wise counsel. He didn't dig his heels in. He didn't say, you don't know what you're talking about. He didn't say, I'm the leader and you're not, so you don't get to talk to me that way. He recognized this is wise counsel. I should listen to it. There's another king a couple of generations later, David, after David was the king, came Solomon, and after Solomon was the king, came Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, his story is found in 1 Kings chapter 12. And what was going on was, as Solomon died and Rehoboam became the king, the people came to the new king and they said, King, your father, Solomon, he was a hard ruler. He worked us very hard. That's when they built the temple. That's when Israel was like at the height of its influence, its prosperity, and a lot of that was on the back of the workers in the land. So the people came to the king and said, hey, your father was a very hard ruler. If you would go easier on us, we would be devoted to you and loyal to you forever. And so the king says, let me think about it. And he goes and talks to the wise council, and they say yes. If you will show the people that you're going to serve them, they'll be loyal to you forever. Things will go well. But then the king rejects that wise counsel. 
And it says in the story, he goes and talks to the younger rulers. And this is not a, not a knock on young people, but in this story, the king goes and talks to the younger rulers, and they say, you know what? You need to put these people in their place, because if you give in now, they're going to take advantage of you forever. So your response to them mean, needs to be, you think my father was a tough ruler on you? That's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And he cracks the whip and clamps down on the people, and the people's response is this, and it's found in verse 16, and it's going to be up on the screen. Verse 16, it says this, when all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, what share do we have in David? In other words, what share do we have in this kingdom? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. And this is when the kingdom of Israel divided in two, because all of these tribes that asked the king this, they said, you know what, you're not going to listen to us. You're not a ruler that we want, and they, the kingdom split that day. It was Rehoboam not listening to wise counsel. So maybe there's people in the room today that are leaders or in positions of authority. And parents, certainly this would be the case. How important is it for us to listen and to not just be entrenched in our own way? Man, in leadership, that could just go a long way where it is something that the people under you know, I know they're going to listen. I know they're going to listen. I've, I've had bosses my whole life. And I know what it's like to be in a room where there's disagreement. And man, if you've been in those rooms, you understand, sure, I don't ever expect the boss to do things my way the whole time, but what a difference it makes when I can leave a room feeling like, at least I know I was heard. At least I know I was listened to. Parents, with your kids, do your kids know you to be someone who will at least listen to them? I think kids realize you know, I hope they realize they're not going to get their way the whole time, every time, but there's something valuable when they can say, at least I know my parents listen. At least, and, but kids, after the fifth time of saying, no, not this time, that's when we've listened enough, just so you know. The fifth time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but how important it is to listen. How valued do we feel when we feel like we have been listened to? So that is the first one. Listen to wise counsel. And the second one I want to talk about is this. Listen to those who are different. Listen to those who are different. There's a story in Acts 19 we're going to get to in just a minute. But here's where I think we as individuals, we as a culture, don't do a good job at this. Soon as we see differences in other people, whether it be racially, politically, economically, nationally, whatever it is, we define the differences and we say, that's a reason I'm going to find my own people, the people who agree with me, and then we are not going to listen to that other side. Our culture is divided on any issue. And on any issue, whatever it is, and we see this in our world, just watch the news. On any issue, what happens is both sides retreat to their corners they say, I'm with, I'm with my people. They're on the other side. We retreat to our corners, and it becomes a shouting match. Sometimes this is in person. Sometimes this is in the courts. Certainly this is on TV and social media. The worst thing you can do to spend time in your day is to read the comment section on any news article online. That is where the trolls are. That is where all the people, that's where the shouting match is. And it takes like three comments at the most for somebody to start the shouting match against the other side, whoever the other side is. It's tribe mentality. It's pack mentality. It's I will be fiercely loyal to my tribe and those who are like me and think like me. And I will vilify, often blindly vilify, those who are on the other side. And we will stick to our sides. And with our tribe, we will launch 
accusations and assumptions at the other side, and they're in turn going to launch accusations and shouting matches at our side, and our trenches are going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And in that analogy, nobody dares leave their side to talk to the middle, to go to the middle to actually talk and listen to somebody, because not only are they worried that they're going to get blasted from that side, now they're worried that their own people are going to blast them because they think they're being a sellout. This is how it works in our culture. And the only way any of these issues in our country is going to be solved is if people are willing to come to the middle and at least listen to one another, right? At least listen to one another. The story in Acts chapter 19, Paul is preaching. This is in that first century church. Paul is preaching in Ephesus, and this is a prominent city. And in Ephesus, there's a lot of idol worship. And Paul is preaching. And one of the idols, the main idols, is a god, a goddess named Artemis. And they would make silver statues and shrines to this god. And the culture was, was worshiping this god, Artemis, these silver shrines and silver statues. Well, as Paul is preaching, many are turning to faith in Jesus and turning away from idol worship. And as this is happening, there's one guy, and I love this, is a really interesting story in Acts chapter 19. There's one guy who has a big problem with all of this. And his name is Demetrius. And he is, wait for it, a silversmith. Okay, so he's the one making all the statues and shrines for the false god, Artemis. And so he sees all these people turning to Jesus. And he recognizes this is going to be bad for business because I'm a silversmith and they're not going to worship this false god anymore and need as many silver statues. So he starts an uprising. He sees the loss of business and he begins to rally his people around him, spread rumors, raise the level of hate towards the disciples, to spread rumors, to rally the troops, and oppose Paul and his companions. And as you read, it escalates from there, and it says the whole city was in an uproar, okay? Anyone who tried to explain everything was instantly shouted down. Nobody was interested in accomplishing anything. They were just upset, and they were just shouting down anyone who would oppose their view. And in verse 32, it says this. I'll just read these verses. They'll be up on the screen. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. And I love this line. Most of the people did not know why they were there. <laughs> it kind of fits our culture today. I don't even know why we're shouting. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front, and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Not a productive moment, right? But I love that line. Most of the people were there. They didn't even know why they were there. They were just shouting because they had been all riled up by somebody. This fits our culture today. Eventually, a ruler of the city has order established and says, if there's a problem, let's settle this in the court, but we're going to have a time where we can speak and listen. And I love that. And I love that. Many times, Christians are we should be proclaimers of the truth, but too often we are angry proclaimers of the truth. We're just trying to outshout people with chapters and verses. And because we are proclaiming the Word of God, we think we are exempt to James chapter 1, be quick to listen, 
slow to speak, and slow to be angry. But the last time I checked, James chapter 1 was part of the Word of God. So, Christians, if we feel that we can be exempt from this because we're proclaiming, proclaiming the truth, no, James applies to us in disagreement when speaking to others who don't share our beliefs. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. We should be the first ones to listen. We should resist this tribe and pack mentality, and we should listen to those especially who disagree with us, to learn their story, to gain some insight. Now, it doesn't mean we never speak. It doesn't mean we never share the truth, but it should be covered in an initial and strong example of listening. It should be covered in our listening and gaining understanding. Jesus modeled this. So often, the woman caught in adultery, where the pack just wanted her executed. The man with leprosy, where the pack would say he is because of, he's like this because God is mad at him. He is shunned. He should not be even talked to. This is what the pack was saying, but Jesus would individually talk to them. To the woman caught in adultery, talked to her. To the man in leprosy, talked to them. Instilled value by listening to them, learning about their story. He still shared the truth, the hope, and the life that is found in Jesus Christ. But our message of hope is always going to be better received when it is surrounded by care and concern and listening and hearing and understanding the individual. So as we close, how much better served would the gospel of Jesus be if we would take these words of James to heart and simply listen? Simply listen. Be slow to speak, be quick to listen, and slow to become angry. So this is a very practical thing. You know, next week we're jumping into our sermon series through the book of Acts. But this week, practice this. Practice this. As followers of Christ, practice this. Especially if there's someone who disagrees with you. Practice this. Tell me your story. Tell me about yourself. Tell me your views and listen. And don't be listening and waiting for your turn to speak. That's not listening. Listen. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to be angry. Let's close in prayer today. Thank you, Lord, for your teachings that are so practical to us, and I pray that we would be examples of this. In our world where we carry the gospel of hope and truth and life, may it come from vessels that instill value in others, that listen to others, that share care and concern for others. And I pray that you would use us, even this week, to find someone who is opposed to something we believe in and just start a healthy dialogue, just start listening. And I pray that in every division in our country, there would be more and more leaders courageous enough to listen to the other side, to listen and to move forward. I pray that you would do that in us. As Christ followers, we would be the first ones to follow your word and your example. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. We thank you for our capital campaign, and you are providing for us, and you are leading us forward as a church. We look forward to the days and months that are ahead. For all of these things, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.